So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Ease Conversations. Thanks a lot to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie Matt and I. I hope you enjoyed listening to us um, provide our previews of what we're going to be doing this summer and also a recap of what we've been up to this summer, which is off to a raging start. So now for episode 91 of Easy Conversations. I'm extremely excited, of course, to be back in the studio virtually with the homie Matt. Say what's up to the people. What's going on, everybody? Hope everyone's having a great day right now. Um, man, we're ever so climbing to that episode 100. It's exciting. We've done so many shows. Um, tonight, we're going to be talking about something that I'm pretty sure everyone listening has seen or at least like heard of because it's a huge phenomenon right now. And Eric, why don't you just introduce it right now? Yeah, so for this episode, we're going to be going over the Netflix blockbuster series Stranger Things, which has been running since... 2016 and has really been the lifeline of Netflix to keep subscribers alongside their rising subscription prices but the quality has not faltered in my opinion so yeah we're going to get into that show providing our um, impressions on the first season going through seasons two three and then leading up to the most recent season that premiered this summer season four and um, yeah I think a good place to start like I said would be to begin with where it started season one 2016 I still remember when I started watching Stranger Things, had no idea what it was, only saw that it was being promoted heavily on Netflix's homepage, as they tend to do with their own products, their in-house prospects. Yeah, I mean, I just saw, I think the picture was of Winona Ryder, one of the main characters in the show. I'm like, all right, I'll give this a shot. I might have heard from some people that it was decent, and I remember from the first scene on, I was just hooked watching these young kids play Dungeons and Dragons, this group of kind of nerdy kids or under 11, around 12 or 11 years old. The camaraderie that they have is made pretty evident from that first scene. There's some good humor, like always hearing kids swear is always funny. So they're just dropping like shit bombs and all that. Mm-hmm. And it just made for an intriguing start. And then as you know, we're going to be getting into full spoilers, by the way, for this show. So if you haven't seen Stranger Things, maybe pause this, watch the whole show, then come back and listen to our analysis. So yeah, then you see, obviously, this is in the first 10 minutes, or the homie Will Byers gets abducted or disappears by the creature who we later on see in season one. And it creates good intrigue from the start. There's We're in this small rural community of Hawkins, Indiana, and everyone's just kind of wondering as to what happened to this kid, Will... And then, of course, the supernatural entity that is Eleven is introduced to as this young girl with psychic or telekinesis, tel- anyway, psychic abilities. Let's say, for lack of a better word. And I, was, and I, I think I've said enough from the start, Matt. What were your thoughts when you um, were introduced to Stranger Things? Were you hooked right away? Did it take some time to grow on you? What were your thoughts on it? So, okay, my introduction to Stranger Things was basically in 2016. I was like heads deep into like. My podcast, it was my podcast listening prime days where basically I had like six podcasts on the go, like all horror movie podcasts. And every single one of those was talking about Stranger Things. And I'm like, oh, I got to stop what I'm doing and watch it then. To, on a horror podcast, like Stranger Things is not something really discussed on a horror podcast because it's like horror light. But anyways, they were talking about it. So I had to immediately drop what I was doing and watch it. Um, my first impression was like I, I was hooked right away, Eric, because it reminded me of... 80s nostalgia plus all the all the elements I liked in Stranger Things were like taken from Stephen King novels read almost all of his books I love Stephen King material so like I I recognized all these little easter eggs and tributes to Stephen King which I'm like oh this is even better the the whole my favorite like in season one it's to me it's like it's Hopper and Eleven like I love 
that dynamic. Like, just the 11 characters, like, throughout all the seasons, actually, and we'll get to it, but, like, she's my favorite, like, her evolution and her, like, where they take her, basically, I love. But, yeah, the, my biggest takeaway of season one was, like, it has a stand-by-me type of feel, the Goonies, you know, kids in an adventure, like, like, it. I love that little, like, com camaraderie, and we gotta, like, do it all by ourselves in a small town. There's actually a movie called Super 8. I don't know if you've watched it. It's super similar to Stranger Things with the kids trying to figure out what's going on in their town. Uh, I love the whole flow of the season too. I don't know about you, Eric, but like start to finish, right? Fantastic season. Good pace. And um, yeah, they kept it relatively small scale, which is normally how it goes with shows like this. Whereas wherein there's only one creature that they're dealing with. There we're introduced to like there's this greater force at work behind the scenes, but not fully, not explained at all. Really, we get good background on Eleven and where she comes from in the Hawkins lab. There's this ominous kind of feel around them that there's this like government presence of like, pulling strings behind the scenes and all that. And the character of Papa is made to be very intimidating. The lab doc, the head doctor who's conducting God only knows what in that within that lab. And like you mentioned, Hopper as being a standout, he absolutely was for me as well in season one as the police, as the chief of the town, kind of heading the investigation from the adult's perspective. And I love that you also get, like you said, from the kid's perspective, that they're the ones who are seeing the most, whereas all the adults are kind of clouded by like, oh, this none of this really makes sense. Whereas the kids are able to see right through it and un understand more than others by making associations with their Dungeons and Dragons too, which I love those tie-ins that continuously come up in every season. And yeah, mm -hmm. Eleven's also a, a favorite of mine from the jump. Love that she has these powers and that she's bond bonds with our group as well right away. All the kids really killed it in the first season, except for, like, I wasn't a huge Lucas fan in the first season because he's the only one that doesn't really buy into Eleven, which is completely understandable. It wouldn't really make sense that all four of them or all three of them instantly believe that she is not involved in this in a bad way where like Mike and Dustin really believe that Eleven is out to help them whereas Lucas doesn't believe that she's out to help them that she's kind of steering them around necessarily like when she messes with the compass when they're kind of mm -hmm. looking for um, Will just an all-around great cast of young actors and then on the in between the adults and the kids there's also like Jonathan, Nancy yeah. and Steve who will definitely get into Steve later as far as analyzing his character goes, I love what they really did with him in that he comes off as this jock douchebag at first. I was sure that when he went back to Nancy's or Jonathan's place to apologize to him and then he sees Nancy there and they're about to fight the Demigorg and I thought he was going to die in that scene. Yeah, and then that's where his redemption tour kind of begins. And at the end of the season, you see that he's still with Nancy. Again, I didn't see that coming. You see, It seems like they're teeing up the Nancy-Jonathan, but they decide to go with a slow burn approach and properly develop their relationship that happens later. But yeah, just in my opinion, masterclass of character development and planting seeds for future seasons in season one. Yeah, Steve, I, w I want to mention Steve too. He's one of my favorite characters. If not my favorite character, uh, no, definitely not my favorite actually. More on that later. <laughs> But no, Steve's awesome, and I'll be honest, I wish we see more of him in the later seasons, but like, that's, we'll get there. It's one of those shows, when season one ended, I'm like, okay, where are they going to take this now? And I feel like Stranger Things as a whole, this just as a whole, Stranger Things is a show where like, 
after each season, I'm like, okay, like they added on more to it without like making it like, it's it's never dipped in quality for me. This show's never dipped in quality for me. And they always like one up it like, oh, it's actually this behind that. And then like season four, you're like, oh, there's actually a whole different level of like what's going on. So I, that's what I love about this show. And when season one ended, I was like, okay, well, okay, where are they going to take this? And then that takes us into season two, which I'll admit, I season two is the one I remember the least. Mm, okay, okay. But uh, it season two is like the whole underground thing in this in Hawkins, right, Eric? Do you remember? Yeah, so there's like the network of tunnels and the vines yeah. also that are like prominently figured in those, like the pit that leads to the underground network of tunnels. That's right. Season two, in my opinion expanded on the lore of season one in a really good way and i do like how so if you'll recall season one ends with will coughs up a cell that ends up becoming a demig dog and you can see that he he's flickering in between realities like he's not fully cured from or he's not he hasn't been fully let go of the upside down where he was trapped in for the majority of season one so then you kind of know like all right they planted the seed that, all right, there's going to be more trouble for poor Will, who went through the ringer in season one, and then season two gets elevated to another level, and Noah Schnapp, who plays Will, actually perf- puts on, I'll say masterclass again, a masterclass of acting when he's possessed by the Mind Flayer. Yes. And is going back and forth between being Will Byers and then speaking through the Mind Flayer. Really displays incredible acting chops so that was really his season to shine because in season one he was barely there he was just hiding in his fort in the upside down praying that the demogorgon wouldn't find him but no i like what they did with season two they introduced the demid dogs which were cool different creatures and i actually i love the mind flare as well i was a big mf guy mf doom rip and um i think they upped the stakes again once more with this new non-physical threat where, wherein um, L does fight the Mind Flare, but it's not something you could physically see. More of a um, state of mind in fear is what it represents, I believe. Season 2, with, uh, Sean Astin, he was in Season 2, right? Yep, so Bob... He was amazing. I remember he, like he uh, Joyce's uh, love interest, I guess. Yep. For Joyce, um, and that was very sad. Actually, I remember. I still remember actually the scene where he gets killed. Mm-hmm. That was very emotional, actually. Okay, I'm remembering season two a little more now. Like, there's the scene in the like in the facility where they're getting chased by the demi dogs, and like, yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was good. I like season two. Um, it's just been so long. The underground, the scenes in the. T- I just remember season two. A lot of people were saying like, oh, there's tributes to a lot of horror films in season two. Like the thing, um, maybe with like the the creatures looking like misshapen things, like okay. in the movie. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, season two to me was kind of up the intensity. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it season one or two? But it ends with like the mind flare, like overlooking Hawkins. So that's the end of season two. So then we know oh, okay. that again they tee up season three and that the mind flare is not gone and it'll be back okay. for season three. Like Marvel likes to do, Thor will return the mind flare will return. And I was pumped that we Mm. weren't done with this interesting villain. And another good thing that season two did was it introduced the dynamic duo of Steve and Dustin, which have only gone on to become a more dangerous threat as the seasons have progressed. But that's another great thing that this show has done is given us unlikely tandems that we 
Never in a million years would we have thought that Steve and Dustin would end up becoming a dream team mentor-mentee combo platter like they did in season two. The chemistry the two actors have together is off the chain. They also gave us, well, Nancy Jonathan finally end up dating. Mm. I'm trying to think. They, they just brought people together in pairs, right? Max and Lucas. Those are the three what? I can think of off the top. I guess Bob and Joyce. I feel like season two gets brought up in a negative light, and I don't think it should. I think it's a solid follow-up to season one. Not as strong, but still expands the lore. Like The only weak link in season two, in my opinion, was the, the side episode where they go to Chicago to see one of the other kids that was in the same institution as Eleven. I didn't love that episode, and I feel like that's a... A pretty easy take to make. It's not really a, a bold claim that it was the weakest episode of that season. It's an episode we don't look fondly back on. It was important for Elle to get her mojo back. But other than that, not a huge fan of that episode. Do you remember that one? Not really. Okay. Uh, sorry again for questioning. But like, is it season two? It ends with the prom scene, right? Yeah. Prom scene to mind flare overlooking. Okay, that was great. I remember that was a great ending to that. Like season two had its moments. It was it was really good. And I'm a huge Nancy fan. Not a big Jonathan. I I, I despise the Jonathan character. I just don't like that <laughs> actor. And I don't know. I, I'm a Steve and Nancy guy. You know, like they belong together. Yep. Who is uh, <laughs> season two? Another thing that it did was introduce two characters. Actually, three characters. Mad Max. Billy, her stepbrother, and Murray Bowman, who's rose to prominence, especially in season four. But focusing on yeah. Max and Billy, at first I wasn't that crazy about Max. I thought she was interesting and different, and she's really grown on me with the seasons and upon rewatch as well in season two. And speaking of not being a fan of someone, Look no further than Billy himself. Absolutely hated his character. The first time I watched it, I couldn't believe that they thought this would be a good character to introduce to the show. Upon rewatch, kind of like a Joffrey Baratheon situation, I find Billy hilarious now. But the first time I saw the show, similarly with Joffrey, couldn't stand him at all. You know what I mean? I feel like he was just an over-the-top asshole and just like no one kind of no one acts like yeah. this in real life. But then again, if we're comparing Stranger Things to It, maybe the influence of the Mind Flare over the town of Hawkins could be like the influence of Pennywise over um, Dairy or whatever it was called. <laughs> I think that's it. Dairy. Yeah. yeah, there we go. So those are my opening thoughts on Max and Billy. Do you agree? Do you have different takes on them, especially in season two? I I like the Max character. Like I like the, that it gave the, the, the four boys like another friend. Mm-hmm um like a new dynamic with that but i the billy was very stereotypical and i that's the actor from the power rangers movie and i've seen like i kept picturing him as a power ranger and i'm like oh he's not really an asshole he's just like i don't know (laughs) he looks a lot like to me he's like a jared leto like clone Mm, that actor who plays billy i was gonna say like a bootleg zach efron zach efron jared yeah yeah, you're right. Actually, more like Zac Efron. But, like, I don't know. I couldn't feel it either. But his it's in season three really picks up his storyline. It's good. Yep. Yeah, but I don't have... I don't remember season... Like, I don't have much else to say for season two since my memory... I've only seen it once. I would recommend a rewatch. Okay, yeah. If you want to go to season three now, I had one more note from season two, which will segue go into season it. three because it only gets amplified even more. 
Mike becomes an all-time brat as of season two. Can't stand his character. In season one, I was a huge fan of Mike. And we'll talk about this in season four, but in season one, you could definitely argue that Mike is the heart of the party. Season two onwards, that claim makes zero sense in my opinion. But anyways, Mike becomes someone who's just completely fixated on Eleven and doesn't care about his other friends. Like whenever they have their own issues or want to do other things, like poor Will just wants to play Dungeons and Dragons and he kind of clowns him for that. Yeah, Mike's just an asshole as of season two and definitely in season three. I don't know if you remember how he treats Hopper when, when he's in Eleven's room and, you know, he's just trying to be, you know, alone with her. And he, as, like, a boyfriend-girlfriend situation. And you don't want to just be talking to her dad there. But he's just a complete ass to Hopper. And Hopper's a fan favorite, so you definitely side with Hopper in this situation. And, yeah, that's my opening thought on Season 3. Mike, just the worst. That act, Finn Wolfhard, I think his name. Uh, I have a hard time with him sometimes. He comes off extremely whiny and annoying. And it's not just the words that are given to him. It's not just a script. It, I think he's an actor that evokes just his face or something or his mannerisms or the way he talks just evokes that into me, which is why he was perfect in it as Richie, the annoying, like foul mouth kid. He was perfect as that. But in this, he comes off as like, just shut up. And then I couldn't stand him in season four half the time. Oh. But season three, I loved season three. Like I love the, the mall setting. For those who've lived in the 80s, which is not me, but like I bet it captured that feel perfectly, I've been told, like from the older folk, like just like a time capsule season. Obviously, I like the Robin character in season three, Maya Hawk. Um, I mean, her parents are ultra talented, so it's kind of a, a given that she'd be good too. Uh, season three. Okay, first of all, Murray. You mentioned Murray. I had no idea this guy would become one of my favorite characters after seeing him, like briefly and like. The other seasons, I was like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. And we've, we've glossed over so many things. And hearing you talk, I'm remembering more and more scenes from the other seasons, like the Halloween episodes where all the guys are dressed up as like Ghostbusters. And like, there's like little, this show has so many little Easter eggs and tributes. It's, it's amazing. And to like, to all, to all the genres, really. Season three makes like, it's like the, the, the evil Russian scientists or the bad guy and try to infiltrate their base and find out what's going on. I, I love that aspect of the show. It's so like, it's so, what's the word, like far-fetched that like, who cares? It's stranger things. Like you're going to buy into this plot. It's great. And seeing like, like season three, like I was like, okay, man, everyone's aging like pretty, like everyone's getting older and it's a little weird. Like seeing season four and then when they show like flashbacks, like you see them in like season one, you're like, holy crap, these are like adults now. What else? Oh, another thing I love in season three is just like the, of course, Steve working at the ice cream shop. That was a highlight for me. Lucas's sister, I think in yep, season Erica. three becomes like a, yeah, Erica. She becomes really established and like she was, she's awesome. Like, let's be honest here. No, that's pretty much season three for me. We just, uh, some people said it was her least favorite season. I'd say season three was like, well, spoilers, like after season four, season three is my favorite. Okay. Cause I'm a big, big fan of season four and I'll explain why after I have notes on season four. I really liked it. I <laughs> really, really liked it. Yeah, right on. Um, but no, season three just set up season four perfectly. Loved how season three ended. It was very sad, or so we thought, right? So, yeah, that's my initial thoughts on season three. Yeah, like I'll, let's pick up from that comment. Hopper's death at the end of season three was a super emotional moment. Like, tearjerker, yeah. 
what a what a send off for his character with the letter to L. Keep the door open. I forget if it's three or six inches, but one of the two think it's three. And yeah, just super gut wrenching. And but what a sacrifice and what a way for him to go out. And then at the end, there's a post credit scene at the end of season three where where we're in Russia, and then they say, like, "Oh no, don't feed the American to the to the demigorgon." So like, all right, Hopper's not dead, and it in a way kind of took away from his sacrifice and his death. But at the same time, I'm happy they didn't kill him off because he is such a good character. One of the best. Top three for sure, in my opinion. And killing a character like that off would probably have hurt the show a lot. That being said, might have been a good call. But then who knows what our show looks like going forward for season four. And I loved his role in season four. So, And also, to your point about the um, the Russians in the mall. I remember liking season three. But now coming off season four and where the dose of Russians that we get in this season felt like such a greater threat, I feel like looking back on season three now, the Russians in the mall never felt like a threat. Because I kind of always knew the kids are going to be fine when they're running around trying to escape them. They're kind of goofy from how I'm remembering it. That's why for me, season three might be my least favorite season, to be honest. It's a toss up between that and two. Maybe I'm just like, judgment is clouded from how much I loved what they did in season four. Because I remember loving the finale, like the mind flare fight in the mall was awesome. I also love the mall mm-hmm. setting and um, the relationships with the kids, like Steve in the ice cream shop with Robin and Dustin, of course. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. I just don't remember as much, so it's tough to say definitively. But I, I did also- love the Billy possession. And him as the lifeguard mm-hmm. was hilarious. All the stuff with Billy and <laughs> Mike's mom is all time. Just yeah. the, like all the moms looking at him when he's coming out of the, the dressing room or whatever. And that they almost had an, a little affair. Talk about the most out to lunch husband of all time. Mike's dad just, but he's an all time clown. Just pays the bills and passes out in front of the TV. And makes stupid comments, but he's good for some comic relief. But yeah, no, I really like what they did with Billy too. And you feel bad for him as well. That's coming back to my point earlier. What they do with characters in this show is really impressive in that they make you hate someone as much as I did in Billy in season two. And then at the end, by the end of season three, you're hoping that he won't die. But he has also has a great death, Hopper-like, in, it, in that he sacrificed himself so the kids can have a chance at defeating the Mind Flayer. But except he mm-hmm. actually does die. A lot going on again in that season. A good season, no doubt. But looking back, probably my least favorite one. It's the season I remember the most after season four. So maybe that helped make my ranking decision. I also like, like there's the whole Dustin and um, on the airwaves with his girlfriend in that season. So that, that was, I like that storyline. Um, that was good. So bef- before we get into season four, Eric, I, I have to ask you, because this is, this is something to do with the whole show. Like season four decided to take a different approach, basically episode format and like, length of episodes i just want to have like quick thoughts on that like is that a yay or a nay for you and like what are the advantages you think of the movie length episode basically and less episodes but they're movie lengths huge huge yay for me the episodes couldn't 
have gone by quicker for me to be honest by every cut at the while when we're getting close to the end of an episode i was just thankful that there was another scene about to be introduced because i was never ready for the episodes to end and there are a few fake outs in that i thought the episodes were done and then i was ecstatic when i saw there's still more to come no never once did i feel it was too long and i did i have listened to some pods and read stuff where people said like oh they could have cut a good 15 20 minutes out of every episode would have been fine but I felt I felt like it just added to the suspense, highlighting all the stakes at play. Because in season four, this is where the stakes have been the highest, the most has been explained, and you really needed this running time for every episode, in my opinion anyways, to tell the story that they did. I would have been fine if they added even more running time into every episode. It would have been fine. I'm going to rewatch this season, I don't know when, but at some point. And I feel like there's a bunch of stuff that I've already have forgotten about because there's so much in there that it's impossible to remember every scene. But no, love the season. Big fan of the running time. How about you, Matt? Yeah, I'm a big fan of that format too. And here's why. I first I, I doubted. I, I didn't. I didn't. I was like, oh crap! Like, why are they so long? But here's the thing. I'd rather have seven longer episodes than ten shorter ones because once I press play, I'm committed to that episode. I'm immersed into that world. So like. It's, it was easier for me to watch longer, like less episodes, but longer running time. It was much easier. It was so easy for me to watch because I like just fell like heads deep into it. Um, even like the last two episodes, like the two and a half hour episode, the finale, like never has a two and a half hours gone by so fast, right? Like it's almost as long as Lord of the Rings, the first one, theatrical <laughs> cut, but it, felt, it went by so fast. So I'm with you. Like Instead, we could have got like six episodes in the last part, but no, they're like, no, just two episodes longer. You're going to sit down and watch it all. And it worked, I think. I, I think Stranger Things is a show that could, one of the only show, one of the very few shows I could pull that off. Let's be honest here. No one's like going to watch like a, I don't need to make examples, but uh, no, big fan of that, Eric. And I maybe that's, it helped. This is why it's my favorite season is because of the episode format, maybe. You know, it didn't lose its flow. Like, it kept going and going. Um, what I loved the most about season four getting into it was it was the most... Everyone knows I'm a huge horror fan. Like, season four to me was the most intense in terms of, like, like the kills and the bad guy and just the whole theme of season four. Like, it was very dark and horror-esque. And that's why it's my favorite. I mean, the whole thing with Vecna controlling people, like, from the other side and going into their like their minds like that's that's like one of the main concepts in the nightmare on elm street horror franchise and that's one of my favorites and like that that was like the homage to it of like controlling people through their dreams or thoughts and they even have the actor who played freddy krueger appear in one of the episodes in season four as the prisoner who blinded himself yeah. forget his name victor victor creel victor creel was played by freddy krueger so like again like it was a direct homage to that um, I absolutely adored how they did the Vecna and this one, the bad guy. And the first kill, Eric, like the blonde the blonde chick. Rip Chrissy. I was like, my jaw hit the floor. I was like, oh my God, they're doing it. They're like twisting her all up and gouging her eyeball. Oh, I loved it. It was so like, it was so gore- uh, horrific. I loved it. What were, like, did you think this season was more like horror-esque and intense too? Yeah, so when we're introducing, starting to talk about Stranger Things, I wasn't sure how to introduce the show. Is it a horror show? Is it a sci-fi show? I was leaning sci-fi. I don't even think I said either of them, to be honest. 
but we really got into some horror in season four and that mm-hmm. kill set the tone for what kind of season it was going to be this is way more adult you see the limbs turning on or just snapping and then the yeah. eyes gouged in the skull and it was brutal and it really had us like whoa okay we're taking it to the next level with this season and anyone who knows me at all knows that i'm a huge villain guy you know every hero needs a, a villain episode 35 featuring basami so check it out if you haven't heard it and we finally got a worthy opponent to our our hero in 11 we got my boy vecna v money in the cut now just terrorizing hawkins from the 50s to the 80s and he's he did his thing in this season jamie campbell bauer just crushed it as vecna in this season that's the big standout for me and also like i already said they upped the stakes in this one the scale everything the show has only gone bigger and bigger and this show a few times literally reminded me of game of thrones and that this is the kind of show the production level that we're on with this show now with the music the um the action sequences the plot the different storylines the first time that we get this many different storylines with different characters separated like spread out across there are four main settings in this season and i liked all the stories to be honest the one i was least interested in by far was the the stoner's van road trip across america there with argyle jonathan mike and will that was tough but other than that really loved the other three groups and we were given so much content really can't complain which direction do we start it on this road trip do we just go four stops one at a time, get the worst one out of the way, the surf shop? I didn't mind the Do surf, it. them the California setting, honestly. But I found that, and this, again, not a hot take at all, but all the bullying stuff with Eleven, I felt like was a little too much, where everyone, everyone at the Rollerblade disco party was in on the joke and bullying this poor girl. Like, there's no one there with a bit of common sense and decency that sees like this isn't okay. Everyone decides to be sheep rather than kind wolves and alleviate her from this situation. I didn't love that, to be honest. And then, yeah, the road trip was just like nothing really happened. Mike was just being, again, selfish, in my opinion, poorly treating his girlfriend, never saying he loves her. Can't respect that. I was pumped when she was just reading off letters to him and saying, yeah, I'm going to break up with you, basically. But then ended up going on a, down a different path with that. Like you said earlier, actually, I actually was a big fan of the Jonathan character in seasons one and two. Maybe even three, he was okay. Wasn't a fan of him in season four. He just really reverted or dig- not digressed. Um, he devolved i guess into this stoner yeah. character comic relief kind of and yeah there's just nothing really to him anymore what are your thoughts on that group that's the thing i like the least of this in this season is the whole mike will 11 triangle i guess you can call it maybe not yeah. a triangle but like yeah. mike that's was being right. a little bitch yeah <laughs> mike was a bitch this season let's be honest i i hated what that's cool and then when he apologizes for everything later on i was like 
well, why didn't you just, ah, why wasn't this done sooner? But I, I he's in high school, okay? Like, emo- yeah. he's very emotional. But the whole, the scenes with Mike and Will in, like, the car and, like, their frank discussions, we're, we're, we're fine, but it, it, it just didn't hit me. I was just like, get me back to Hopper, Murray, and Joyce, or get me back to uh, any of the, the groups we're following. But thank you mentioned Game of Thrones good good comparison i didn't think of that but i wrote down like the juxtaposition the juxtapositions were great in this season like the the back and forth and like think of episode one eric with the basketball game and the D game going on at the same time like the back i freaking love that and like the lucas a shot with erica rolling the dice the die like that was pretty wicked and it only like foreshadowed how like we're just going to be jumping back and forth this whole season true the mike storyline like them in the 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 road trip storyline with them definitely the weakest and i don't think we need to dwell too much into it i what i did love the next one we should talk about is like the whole thing with 11 and like presenting vecna's origin story or i didn't even know it was going to be vecna's origin story really like maybe i was drinking too much while watching this show but like was i supposed to catch on quicker that patient one patient one was like like were we supposed to figure that out quickly or like did that twist really hit you hard like it did me, Eric? So I kind of had a feeling he was going to be one, to be honest. Especially when okay. he's the one who introduced one. He's like, oh, well, you know, he name dropped one a few times. And then Eleven was questioning him like, oh, one is real? He's like, oh, yes, one's real. I'm like, all right, this guy's... Uh, for me, I, I, it clicked that he was one. Did not click that he was Vecna. Okay. I did foresee that something he was up to no good when she pulled that little pill looking device out of his neck i was like all right this guy's sketchy there's definitely something but it didn't click that he would be vecna after all i just thought that one was going to be a scumbag and okay i actually did call also that not from the start but as we got later on into the season that one of the first i think the first scene in season four is the flashback of 11 in the lab and the aftermath of all the the kids being killed. And they're presenting those events as though Eleven is responsible for all those kills. At the time, I thought, sure, she was responsible because she opened the gate, allowing the Demogorgon to come out, and that's how those kids died. She opened the gate, she's responsible for it. But then as a few episodes were going on, and they kept calling back to that scene... I knew there was something more to it Mm. and that things did not go the way that they presented those events earlier in the season. And then I suspected it was one who was responsible. But the Vecna twist completely shocked me. did not see that coming. I don't know if we want to fast forward all the way to that monologue by Vecna, but just chills the whole time. What a... Also, again, cutting back and forth between flashbacks... And Nancy seeing all these events and tying everything together beautifully. And even that flashback at the Creel household, I never once suspected the younger kid to have a part in that. So they had a few twists in this season and all well executed in my opinion. That's why I said earlier, the actor who played Vecna slash one slash Henry crushed it. When I realized that he was Vecna, like I had one of those feelings I get like when I'm watching a good movie and I have full like goosebumps going down my arms like i had that moment i was like oh my god this is brilliant yep i loved it too eric and maybe i wasn't putting my thinking brain on too too much while watching this that's kind of how i do things now like i'm not like 
just want to relax and just enjoy it and not trying to think and over like over analyze and try to guess what's happening and, and at first the flashbacks i'm like why are we seeing so many flashbacks i guess for that reason right eric yep. and it kind of threw me off because they're showing 11 as how old millie bobby brown is right now but it's really like young 11 going through all this so that was kind of, that was kind of cool actually how they that did that cool. no i really liked that. i like the brenner and owen the dr brenner and dr owens too like they were cool like they're good they're, those two are great actors and they were they were good in this season brenner i love and hate him sometimes like sometimes i'm like oh scumbag and then sometimes i'm like do you sympathize with them a little eric with brenner no i don't no and not he, at all even okay. in his final moments i didn't sympathize yeah. for him i was i was happy that 11 did not forgive him for what he did to her because he definitely messed her up for the rest of her life and definitely prior to the events of this show we saw everything he put her through the guy is a scumbag at the end of the day but i also love that dynamic of the two doctors and you definitely were always thinking about okay what's their angle and what what are their true intentions owens you kind of know he's a good good dude i was a big fan of him brenner though i didn't know if they're gonna try to redeem him which they've done a lot in this show with steve and billy and I was like, all right, is Papa going to get the redemption tour treatment as well? And I'm happy that he didn't, to be honest, because I feel like he's a strong villain. He was justified and had his reasons for doing what he did. But I prefer that they just let him go down as an overly ambitious, albeit somewhat creepy old man who um, was trying to understand this upside down universe and weaponize kids. So... No, don't sympathize for him in the end. Got what he deserved. But a very fascinating character and a strong villain. He will be missed in that regard. And I do like that he was kind of trying to, in a weird way, he was a Yoda to Eleven's Luke. When she wanted to go off back to Hawkins, Hawkins and he was like, no, she's not ready. She hasn't completed her training. <laughs> Straight flashbacks of Empire Strikes Back. I'm pretty sure I said it as we were watching. I'm like, oh, they're going to get messed up by Vecna because she's leaving without completing her training. That's exactly ah. where, where my mind went. He, he was good for the show, but it's t- it was time to move on. I like how they handled his character. And they ended that story, mini storyline with another bone-chilling moment for me with the helicopter scene in Eleven. Like, yep. that was just epic. That, like, when you said Game of Thrones production level, and, like, this, this is what I'm talking... This is what we're talking about, right? Like, amazing set pieces and action, and just... It was just done super well. I guess the other storyline... Or another... Okay, a character we're introduced to, Eddie, in, like, episode okay. one. You know, like president of the hellfire club yep. metal and dnd aficionado i really liked this i loved his character and like it sucks that he gets blamed for the first murder and right away he's like you feel bad for him basically and i i love that whole angle like i even like the bullies hunt the basketball team the jocks i guess not the bully well they're bullies too yeah, they're bull- the jocks hunting eddie and that, like that was i love that storyline i love following that eric well, like what'd you think of that storyline agreed and uh, i'll just say right off the rip was not a fan of Eddie Oh, from the start. He gets better as the episodes go on. I think that's fair to say. But I've been seeing all this praise for Eddie on social media. And I, want, I do wonder if everyone was a huge fan of him from his first introduction. I thought he was way too much when he's jumping on tables in the cafeteria. Yelling and talking about it's his year. He's some sort of moondog-esque character. And Dazed and Confused. And just... just out of control 
I was not into it. He was in, he reminded me of Billy too, like the nerdy equivalent of a Billy with similar hair, obviously. So maybe an obvious connection there, but no big fan of his character felt bad for him that he was on the run falsely blamed for killing Chrissy. And I actually liked their dynamic that he and Chrissy had. I was kind of rooting for Mm -hmm. them as some sort of unlikely pair that they'd end up together. And that obviously didn't happen, but liked Eddie hated Jason, the ringleader of the bullies slash jocks, the basketball team, all time scumbag as well up there with the likes of Papa and Jack Sullivan, the military man, those three are the worst characters in my opinion, but they served a purpose in a sense. But at the same time, the whole time with these bullies, you just know that they have no idea what's going on, what's at stake. And they're a minor threat at the end of the day. And they're not actually going to kill anybody. I didn't never really saw them as a real threat. And he got what he deserved in the end. Not feeling bad for that guy, Jason, at all. If anything, I thought that when he saw, when he was chasing Eddie in the boat in the river or in the lake, when he saw his homeboy get yeah. pulled up by Vecna and killed in midair, I thought he'd realize, okay, yeah, Eddie wasn't responsible for Chrissy's death. But no, he doubled down on he's conducting some sort of voodoo black magic. I'm like, all right, this guy's going to keep being an even bigger problem, most likely. Which, you know what? I kind of like that he did because that's what I expected to happen, that he would have a change of heart. And I like that they didn't go that down that easy path and doubled down on him, fully believing that Eddie's a ringleader of this cult. And um, so, hey, the actor did his thing. He was a good, hateable character. Maybe you're right. Eddie was slightly annoying in the cafeteria when we do meet him, but he kind of gets better in the first episode. Um, but I love that the Eddie, Dustin, Steve thing going on. That was the funniest. That was yep. the best. Because, like, Eddie realizes realizes throughout the season, like, how awesome Dustin is. And he's like, oh, like, now I... Like, he's... I love that. And, like, what Steve and Dustin have... Like, Eddie's just like, damn, I'm jealous. Like, I want what they have. Just, like pals i don't know there was there's i I don't want to say cringy but there was some scenes i was like wait a minute where are they going with this but i think that's just me being like overthinking like with those three characters and yeah okay just some scenes with eddie and dustin i'm like like does eddie want to replace i don't know like i didn't really get that vibe to be honest i feel like like what you said earlier was that eddie slowly realized how awesome Dustin is as a person, especially like in the, um, before last episode when they're gearing up to go to battle and he kind of holds him in an embrace and puts his head against his head. And he tells him like, never change Dustin Henderson. And that's when he fully realizing that "Ah, this kid is special, but I just saw it as like a mentor again, kind of like Steve looking down at a younger, maybe a younger version of himself and, thinking that this is someone who is going to make a difference in the world and shouldn't compromise what he believes in to fit in kind of thing. But in that moment, Mm. I thought that was foreshadowing that Dustin was going to die. And I was very Mm. worried because we talk about losing Hopper, what that does to show losing Dustin would be in like that. In my opinion, that's the heart of the party. The one who can figure stuff out on the fly, the funniest kid, the smartest one, He's irreplaceable, and I'm very happy he didn't die. But then, if we want to bow tie the Eddie storyline, or if we just want to save the whole last episode for once we've done every other storyline, tough, tough bounce for Eddie. But 
someone had to go you know dustin's in my top three i even like him and steve talking and then steve like insults him a little too much and then dustin's like too far dude and then steve's like okay sorry my like he apologizes just like little witty banter like that's perfect steve again was great in this season the whole steve nancy thing like love it i don't know i i i kind of want i guess there's gonna be more so I just have to be patient. They planted the seed, like you said. They plant seeds, and then they will flourish later. And I like that. I like that they're not yeah. forcing stuff Rushing. because they know that's yeah. what the people want, and they've been hinting mm-hmm. at that even from the end of season two. I don't know if you remember when Steve drops Dustin off at the, the snowball. He's looking out the window and is looking at Nancy, hinting at that there he there's still feelings there. And at that point, she's with Jonathan, and she still is with Jonathan, but that relationship is is doomed even in their their few scenes together in this season just no chemistry the poorest of communication skills if you can even call them skills and just yeah it's a a doomed relationship and the homie steve is gonna swoop in there get his rv and his six kids with nancy down the road and it's gonna be uh the dream is gonna become a reality for for the guy steve but part of that group we should also highlight a standout of this season would be Maxine or Maxime. Let's just go with highlight Max in this season. She killed it, in my opinion. Great acting, portraying loss and PTSD from the Battle of the Mall. And yeah, dealing with grief, mm-hmm. being possessed by Vecna. The whole scene, that whole Dear Billy episode was fantastic. Her giving the letters to the people she's closest to and doesn't want to lose yeah all the way up to her also a possible death she really killed it and um i think sadie sink deserves her flowers for this season um i loved the i'll call them the nightmare sequences where max is like trapped by vecna like in her mind like that to me it's again all tributes to like the nightmare on elm street franchise i loved all those scenes like where she's getting chased like to me that was like watching a horror film and it was excellent Max, I wasn't sure at first when she was super, like, PTSD. I was like, oh, damn. Like, I felt bad for her. But then her character, like, her journey was great in this season. I also like the whole Robin and Nancy, like, friendship, like, that flourishes out of this. Because, like, they're such an unlikely pair. But then they end up, like, having good camaraderie or whatever that word is. That's tough. Uh, (laughs) So that was good. Robin was slightly annoying in some scenes, though. Like, never shutting up. 100%. Yeah. Too much, maybe. Uh, Steve and Robin working at the video store though for just like two seconds that was that was quite funny yeah and again tapping into the nostalgia with all the movies that they're like when they're creeping right. the viewer or the profiles of the people who rent out movies and then just seeing all these these movies or nice little easter eggs for the people just quickly on Max did you think she was gonna die in that episode when Vecna had her the first time I did 100% did you? When they started running back the flashbacks and all the scenes of her in the show, I thought that was them bow tying her accomplishments yeah. in this show and just showing everything that she's done, kind of like an in memoriam sequence. And then that was it. So, edge of my seat the whole time. Even when she was running away, I wasn't 100% sure that she'd make it out. So, great suspense there. I just love how involved she was in the action, too, being always in the, at the, tip of Vecna's fingers grasp being I guess the bait for them to get him at the end in the finale great season but yeah Nancy Robin definitely interesting tandem 
And I kind of like, at first I thought it was weird, but then I liked how they made it awkward between Nancy and Robin because Nancy thought that Robin and Steve maybe had a thing going. Right. And Robin assured her, like, there's nothing there. Trust me. <laughs> so, yeah, and then it got a little better. But at first, I definitely thought that it was a little weird and that Robin had annoying moments where she was rambling a bit too much. But that's just her character, and she's a nervous talker. Might be the case for you, but, like, the highlight for me was just following Joyce Murray and then Hopper when they, like, when they eventually meet up. But, like, the the Hopper-Russian scenes before he meets up with them is, like, I thought were brutal and, like, really interesting. Like, that that was the the... That was my favorite part of season four is that storyline, Eric. Talked about like season two being like a tribute to the thing, but like season four with the flamethrower, like mm. that was one of the most epic moments ever. And that's definitely a tribute to the thing. Love that stuff, Eric. Like, what do you think? Like Murray just like went into like maybe in my top 10 favorite characters in this season, maybe side characters. Murray's stock went up like Apple in the 90s and yeah. just... <laughs> incredible rise for this character. I never would have seen this coming that he'd end up as one of my favorite characters as well. He's a universally praised fan favorite by the masses at this point. Yeah. And I'm all for it. I love the dynamic that he and Nancy had. Even when they rolled up in California and he's cooking risotto for them and he's just there. Like All his commentary is gold and also a physical threat. Like He could take down Yuri, showcasing his karate skills. Black belt, not a big deal in the aerial fight sequence. And yeah, just his Russian is off the chain as well. Just at times I was like, all right, this might be a bit much. He's this fluid, but also I feel like he had been studying and kind of been tapped into the KGB for years. So that, un- right. that explains how he's so fluent in Russian, but no love them together. That storyline took way more time than I thought it would. And I'm okay with it in the end. I, I thought it'd be maybe four or five episodes to get... You know Hopper's coming back. So when Hopper finally escapes the first time, it was just devastated to see the Yuri scumbag double cross move. Mm-hmm. And just to get him back into the prison with Jack and Hagar from Game of Thrones as well. I was pumped to see that guy in the in the fold. Oh, that's <laughs> who it was. Yeah. <laughs> Similar. Thank that, you. That's his... Um, his area of expertise, you know, his niche acting for a character stuck in a prison. Just a strong, silent type who um, comes in clutch. But, yeah. No, I, I love the reunion between um, Joyce and Hopper as well. thought mm-hmm. that was great. The Demogorgon fight scene was awesome as well. Both of, Both the fight scenes were really good. A lot of suspense there. Ominous tone. Really good stuff. And like you said, brutal. The torture was Mm -hmm. rough. Yeah, so that's what I was saying earlier. Comparing this kind of Russian action to season three, it was night and day. Here we really got realistic torture. Whereas in season three, I feel like it was like Paul Blart mall cop quality Russians chasing the kids. And you know what I mean? So I I really enjoyed the storyline. Don't know if it was my favorite one, though. It's tough to say. I loved all the, the flashbacks with Eleven and stuff, especially leading up to the Vecna speech in episode seven. Anyways, all great stuff. What are your thoughts on the Russian? I felt like the stakes were so high, like the whole Russian setting. Me too, Eric. I didn't think it would drag that long. Like I think I thought he'd be back sooner, yeah. not like the last moment, but uh, which created an epic reunion at the end, like very 
tear-inducing. Not for me, but I'm sure some people cried. <laughs> I like like prison settings and that kind of stuff, so I really enjoyed that. Um, like the 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 prisoner camaraderie, like when Hopper's like with his like he's like getting ready for the fight against the Demi Gorgon. I like. Well, I love the like a little comic relief. Murray impersonating Yuri. That was amazing. Like to a T. Yuri was funny. Yuri's a scumbag. Yuri, that that actor did a phenomenal job. Like I was pissing myself laughing what Yuri was saying. When he's talking about like the helicopter or the plane to an ex-girlfriend or yeah, something. The helicopter, yeah. That was hilarious. Joyce was I Winona Ryder killed it in this season. Uh, she does in every season, but like she was great. Always good. That that touched me the most when Hopper and Joyce see each other, like they reunited. That that really hit me. I was like, damn. It's, that's why season four is my favorite. It had these badass moments with Eleven and Vecna, like her using her powers and stuff, and then it had those heartfelt moments, which they have some in every season. But this one just hit me harder in season four. The battle in Max's mind with yeah, Eleven and cool. Vecna. Oh my god, Eric, I was in love with that scene. That was like showdown the stakes like it's the final battle you know it's just awesome i loved it same i don't know like i'm a little speechless right now because it's so epic i am not speechless so i have thoughts on this scene (laughs) i wish honestly that vecna won that fight to be honest because so i loved it don't get me wrong love the season love the finale don't want to put a damper on this but i do think that every season has ended with the protagonist winning And in continuing my Empire Strikes Back comparison here, I wish that it would have ended with a crippling loss to our heroes and Vecna. And you can actually, you can argue that Vecna still won in that he got all of his kills and he's now torn the fabric between realities and he's coming. Him and his army, which I'm pumped to see, are coming in season five. I just wish he had clearly gotten the upper hand on Eleven in that fight. You know what I mean? And I was a little cheesed also that it was largely due to friggin' Mike that he kept talking to Eleven and that finally said yeah. he loved her and, uh, you know, all that, that he's the heart. I just, I don't know, I wasn't about it. I was actually mad when Nancy and Steve were throwing the Molotov cocktails. I thought they were killing Vecna too. Can't have that. Thankfully, he's not dead, so all is good. But we finally have this formidable villain that I can't wait to see in Season 5. Hope that he does more damage. And now I don't want to sound like I'm, root- I'm completely rooting for Vecna here. I do, want, I do want the happy ending at the end of the day. But I do like to have a little more parody, if you will, in that we only have one villain now. We only have Vecta, Vecna. So I would have liked to see maybe a few more deaths as well to up the stakes even more like okay not just eddie eddie was an easy kill you know what i mean he just got here one season in great death for him don't get me wrong i thought he went out like a boss sacrificial lamb didn't run away from the battle loved it his guitar solo in the upside down was legendary yeah but yeah those are my thoughts on that fight scene i did love the fight scene though 100 percent. i thought it was badass like I said already, love having this new opponent for Eleven who really can push her. Because he did have the upper hand on her for the most part in that fight. But then it's freaking Mike coming in at the end there. But anyways. And uh, them overlooking the cliff at the end of the season was Game of Thrones-esque again. It was like Daenerys coming to Westeros at the end of season 6 with the music. Dance of the Dragons playing. 
overlooking her upcoming empire. Similarly with Eleven now, overlooking what she has to overtake to be the queen of the upside down. Great stuff. Favorite oh. season for me, in my opinion. Nice, nice. A qu- quick question before we continue. Like, Okay, Vecna gets sent to the upside down by Eleven. He's like wandering. He's getting more and more like scarred. And like there's a scene where he's traveling. He meets the Mind Flayer, correct? Yep. What came first? Like, is it Vecna who, like, who corrupted who? If that's even a question that is there. But, like, did Vecna, like, was controlling the Mind Flayer in season one, two, three? Or was it the Mind Flayer using Vecna? Like, what, like, I'm I'm asking you this because I'm actually not sure myself. And my mom was asking me this, too. But, like, what do you think happened in that meeting with, like, Vecna and the Mind Flayer? Like, what... Who's responsible, I guess, is my question. And I'm just, I'm, I'm asking out of curiosity, firstly. Like, I, I'm not really sure. Like, do you have any theories on that, Eric? Yeah. So, it's, well, it's similar to the old adage, what came first, the chicken or the egg, the Vecna or the Mind Flayer, similar situation. Right. I feel like my understanding of it, and I've only seen this once, I think the Mind Flayer was there. Vecna used his abilities to harness this entity and bind it to his will. He's the one pulling oh, okay. all the strings. In that he saw this raw, untapped power, and quickly controlled it. Now I'd have to rewatch the scene. Maybe I'm off on that, but that's just how I'm remembering it and what I think happened. So he's the the top dog, as far as upside down is concerned. Okay. He got cast into the upside down. He became the king. Yeah. He used all like the creatures abilities okay yeah, yeah, yeah. it makes sense he's the night king i, I love that like imagine a whole sh- like season where they're in the upside down like trot like a band and we might see that who knows but anyways super pumped for season five love the whole like earthquake sequence you know where the faults are like appearing in the city and it's like armageddon or whatever and like freaking mike's dad couldn't even like he's super chill still yeah go figure um, what anyway. do you think is gonna happen season five? How do you th- how do you think this show is gonna? Season five is the last season, right? Confirm they're gonna end with five, which I love. They're not pushing it over the top. They've had a clear vision since day one. Apparently, for me, it sounded a little far fetched how they're able to tie everything to Vecna. I don't know if when they pitched the show in maybe 2014, 15, they already had this idea of Vecna in place, but apparently they did. So. Wow. Kudos to them for teeing all that up correctly and explaining. They explained so much in this season, whereas before the first three seasons, we have no answers to what the upside down really is and how it all works. They tied everything together extremely well, in my opinion. So now, where do you see this going in season five? There's going to be the battle, more time in the upside down, no doubt. Instead of saying what I think is going to happen, like okay. specifically what's going to I'm going to go with more... What I would like to see, Eric, are yep. the stakes raised up even higher, meaning I want to see some like some deaths yes. and loss of major characters. Because if you look if you think about every great show that's ever been made, there's some major character deaths and like big big like gut punches, you know, like emotional gut punches and like that needs to happen in the next season to just elevate the show into like the echelon of like great shows, into another echelon. So I just want to see like the some stuff that I don't want to happen, but it, like it's just gonna make the show even better. Intense deaths. Um, I want to see like amazing fight scenes again, like we've been seeing in season four. Eleven just tearing it up. 
season four blew my expectations out of the water. I wasn't as excited for season four, but it like ended up being my favorite, obviously, as I said many times. So I don't know. I just want season five to like come up with stuff I can't even think of right now and just like make it more intense. That's that's my just make it raise the intensity level even more. I agree with that take as well. I also want to see major characters die. I feel like they kind of pulled maybe a cheap trick by not killing Max off by having Eleven decide to not have her die. You know she's going to come back in some sort of way, whether that be to help Vecna or to hurt him. She's going to play a role. I think Will is going to play a big role in season five because he's been pretty much sidelined the last two seasons. I think because he shares a connection with Vecna, he's mm-hmm. going to have a big role to play. I want Mike to... No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. You know, I don't, I'm not going to say I want to see any of these kids die, but I do want to see some major characters go because you can't have all your characters make it out scotch-free. Like You look at the great shows omitting... Obviously, the end of Game of Thrones, like there's a ton of deaths in that show. Breaking Bad had a bunch of deaths. Um, I'm assuming when I'm done watching Sopranos, some major characters are yeah. gonna die. Um, Sadly, you know, there's a bunch of other shows I can't really think of off the top, but it's kind of a part of being up there with the greats. You gotta have some deaths. That's what I want to see as well. I want to see, of course, a good ending for Vecna. He needs to die, but I want it to be a great fight scene that elevates it from what we've seen thus far. I'm excited to see what they're going to do. I want to see a nice army as well of different creatures that will be fighting our pro to our heroes. I want to see some some new new not just those bats and the like the limby like demogorgon things. Which yeah. were cool, but yeah, yeah, some some new ones. That'd be epic. Great show and Absolutely. With season 5, if season 5 tops off season 4, it Stranger Things will go down as like a classic because a show's only as great as its ending, right? Like we, sadly, Game of Thrones is tainted by that ending. But like, yeah, that an ending makes a mediocre show great. Yep. Or a great show mediocre, you know, if the ending sucks. So. Absolutely. Um, we posed the question on Instagram: What was your favorite season? It was just split down the middle. All season one and four from the people. No twos and threes. Which I'm not that surprised at, to be honest. But yeah, one and four. The OG and the most ambitious season to date, which makes sense. Like I I said, me, it it would be four would be my favorite. You as well. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, just quickly, any sort of Stranger Things related spinoffs? There's already talks of perhaps doing a Young Hopper series. I don't know if you heard about this. David Arbour, so the actor who plays Hopper stated that he would want the actor who plays Nate in Euphoria to play him, a young Hopper. Oh, yeah. Huh. What are your thoughts on that? What's, what's, what's his face? I forget his name, but he, he's going to be a good actor, that guy. I've already said that on the podcast. Yeah. I Honestly, I don't know if that's a good idea. I, I say no, don't touch it. No, no spinoffs. Leave it, leave it be. No spinoffs at all, okay. What do you think, Eric? It's tricky, right? Because... It's a world that's so different and that I do really like and I could see potential in different spinoffs. And especially if we're getting into expanding the upside down, I think that's where you got to focus your attention on if you're doing a spinoff. Not another town, not another 
location in the world that's affected by creatures and upside down. Let's shift gears completely, strictly upside down action. But then what would that show look like really? Are we strictly following a, a friggin' Demogorgon around in the day-to-day um, taking their kids to school? I don't think that would work. And I don't know. So it's just for me, the upside down is where there's more, like I said, potential. And it's so different and interesting that I would maybe want to see more, but maybe it's best to just cap it off at five seasons. Yeah. Call it a day. Maybe look more into the Russians, how they're involved in the upside down, because that's kind of a mystery as to, I think how they've come to uncover the upside down. Maybe that'd be interesting to follow a Yuri spinoff in which he goes, like does peanut butter Falcon runs between the upside down. And I don't know who knows, but so anyways, we'll see on spinoffs. What could be cool is 20 years, just fall like 20 years later. What are the same act cast, the same actors. And it's just them 20 years later, like a sequel trilogy. Yeah. Super off topic, but like, that's what they should do with Harry Potter. Like same cast, just them like as adults. But anyways, that's, we're going to get down a rabbit hole here. <laughs> okay, so yeah, no, that's a good uh, good place to wrap up our Stranger Things discussion. Going for a good bit there, so it was good stuff. Do you have any uh, things to recommend for the people? Random recommendations segment? I have a, I have a couple things to recommend. I'll just spew them all off in one shot because yeah. I've been busy as always. Um, um, T- I've finished watching The Boys season three on Amazon Prime. I loved season three. It was very maybe over the top with this, over not over the top with the gore, but over the top with just kind of ridiculous silliness okay. with sexual things and like kind of like a little too over the top. Like I like weird stuff like that, but maybe not in a show that takes itself like that's presented this way, you know. Okay. Like some of the stuff with the deep. That's all I'm going to say for the people who have seen it. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it, Eric. No, it's still or... just season one, episode one. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, and I've watched a couple movies. I don't know how much you want me to... S- I went and seen Thor uh, Love and Thunder at the theater. I don't know how much you want to say if we're going to like cover it more in depth. All um, I'm going to say is I really liked Thor uh, Love and Thunder. Me and my girlfriend went and we both loved it. I mean, we, we like... I mean... I like comedy, the comedy in it, and that's if people have issues with Thor four, it's gonna be with the comedy. But I liked it, so that's all I'm gonna say with, with Thor four. Uh, just quickly, Eric, have you seen Thor number four yet? Yeah, so that's pretty much one of the only things I was gonna recommend. I saw Thor as well this week. What'd you think? I would recommend it as well. And honestly, for people who haven't even seen, who aren't up to date on all things Marvel, you can go see it. It kind of holds up as even a standalone movie. Obviously, it helps if you've seen all the movies, especially the Thor ones, but they get, they do a good job at giving you a, literally, they spoon-feed you information yeah. that happened in other movies and give you a good recap of events that with that recap, you're good to go and follow along with the plot, I found anyways. No, it was a good movie. I will say, though, the first 15, 20 minutes, I was kind of worried. I was like, all right, okay. this is really weird and this has the potential to go off the rails i don't know if you agree but i'll say that first scene i was a little i don't know this could be a miss it wasn't in my opinion but i don't think everyone will love the movie also right you know like there's definitely some weird some weird humor in there yeah there was yeah but no i like the movie though overall 
yeah, I was in the right mood. I, I, I really liked it. Um, maybe we'll talk more in depth, like on a Marvel and we'll spoil it and everything. It's still fresh right now. So the last movie I'm going to recommend super random. <laughs> I never thought I would ever watch this movie, let alone like it. But it's Sonic the Hedgehog. Okay, right on. It actually blew my expectations out of the water. Like, it was actually funny and super fast-paced, never boring, just predictable whatever. Who cares? It's it's a Sonic movie. But, like, it was just really funny and, like, kind of charming and cute little movie. And Jim Carrey as the bad guy was great. And it made me want to watch, like, more Jim Carrey movies after. But it's a movie. It's on Prime or Netflix or something. Uh Sonic the Hedgehog, actually quite good. Now I know why they made a second one. Okay. It's a good little movie. Well, that's good. I've heard of the yeah. second one's even better, honestly. So if you enjoyed what? the first one, that's a good sign. Damn. Um, okay. I, I haven't seen that. either of them yet. Maybe throw them on. I saw they're on. I yeah, I think I saw it on Prime. It's on there. So add that to the list. Good to know. That nice, a kind of low stakes movie in that you know mm-hmm. everything will end well. It's a kids like friendly movie as well there so you know those movies are good when you don't have to think like you said as well just want to throw something on and not have to critically analyze okay what does this mean well said like i had it was the night i went to see thor and i had like an hour and a half to kill because we went to a late show and i'm like let's just throw this on and kept our attention and it was great there we go good good setup for thor you know yeah um i haven't i watched a couple other ones but i don't think they're worth mentioning uh do you watch anything else, Eric? No, I haven't. Um, yeah. I'm going to start Better Call Saul again. The second half of season six just started uh, airing, so I'm going to watch that soon. I'm pumped to have like, a weekly show to watch. Now, I've been uh, just listening to some good tunes these days. I'll recommend one album. Definitely not for everybody there, but um, maybe you, Matt, I don't know if you check this one out, but Peace Fly God by West Side oh. Gun. It's my guy now. I've come around big time on West Side Gun. And I can tell that you're perhaps, you weren't impressed with that album. But it gets better with multiple spins, in my opinion. And also okay. picks or hits its stride later on in the album. Uh, definitely, okay. There's definitely moments where I'm like, all right, this isn't the strongest material. Especially... Because the album has three people on it, right? West Side Gun, Stove God Cooks, and this guy called ESTG, I think, or maybe I might be completely mispronouncing his name. Wasn't a fan of the third guy, but Stove God and West Side, whenever they're on, it's fire in my opinion. And I love the beats on the album. So, you know, West Side Gun, I've been extremely critical of. If you, my progression in terms of appreciation of this guy's music, if you listen to the pod, is a well-documented tale. Absolutely hated him a few years ago. Now I'm a big fan. I would argue that he has the best albums of anyone on Griselda. Now that I've fully come to appreciate his music, great stuff. But it's a, an acquired taste. Like you really need to listen multiple times and look past certain things. And then it's just good music. What are your thoughts on it, Matt? Won't be on the top 10. Uh, okay. I like that you said the second half of the album's better because I did your rule with this album. Like, I used your golden rule. I stopped it after the third song. I was like, no, I ain't feeling this. So, to be fair, I need to give it a full spin. So, you know what? I'll get back to you on that. Okay. 
So you've only and would you count the first song on that album too? It's not even a song. Like there's no lyrics. It's just someone talking. So I would not. I would skip that one as part of the three song rule. I did. I did. I skipped that and okay. I played the next three. Okay. So, but you're. I need to give it a fair spin. It's like only if I watch ten minutes of a movie and say it's bad. It's like, well, did I really watch the whole movie? Absolutely not. So okay, I'll listen to the whole album now. Okay. Especially okay. So the um as of the sixth sixth song it's really good in my opinion and because there's three songs produced by mad lib as well pretty iconic producer and those are very good songs Derek bullman okay. horses on sunset and open praise great songs and those are the back half of the album but yeah that's uh what i've, I've i'm trying to not listen to the album too much honestly i don't want to get sick of it but i've been on a west side gun rip these days listening to his old albums. Okay. Good stuff. Okay, I'll listen to it tomorrow. Okay, good stuff, Eric. Actually, I'll throw in another one too. Logic's album, Vinyl Days. Yeah. I, I don't think I talked about it on last pod. It was a no. good album. 30 it songs was. long. I don't know if you listened to it, Matt, but uh, yeah. it actually flows. And I think it has like maybe 10 or 12 skits. They all play as like voicemail messages from various celebrities who are calling Logic. I don't know. I found them entertaining, and I do like I like a lot of the songs on there. There's good features too, good beats. Logic's rapping nice on there. It's a solid album. Uh, I would definitely recommend it to anyone who's a Logic fan. You've probably heard it, but if not, check it out. It's really good stuff. I agree. Really, me and Brandon, previous guest on our top ten hip hop show, yep. we were talking about it at work. We both dug it a lot. Actually, he really liked it. He has like the the vinyl. So of course. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's all I had to recommend at this point in time. Yeah, me too. Summer's been busy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can't always be watching stuff. And, uh, well, listening to music is fine to do any time of the day. Um, but, yeah, thank uh, Matt, any final notes for the listeners? Yeah, thank you, everybody that's listening right now. I hope you're having a blast this summer, enjoying the warm weather. I know I am, and... I mean, until until the next episode, take it easy. Have a good one. Thank you. Yeah, well said, Matt. Um, thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. Stay tuned for episodes dropping every two Mondays. Continue to stay safe. Love you all. And yeah, peace.